Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Heart for Iran's webinar series, where each month we speak with one of our partners who has the same passion in Heart for Iran as we do. Coming up, we have Nazanin Bagastani from our Prayer and Call Center and Nahid Sapir, Executive Director of Iranian Bible Society, here to share how they are bringing hope and healing to our hurting brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and Iran. Hello, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Harfrey Ron webinar today. Uh, today's topic is finding hope in healing. We're going to be talking about how trauma counseling programs are making a big difference in Iran and Afghanistan and all over the region. And uh, very excited to be here. This is our uh, latest webinar in the series. And we just want to welcome everyone that's watching us on Facebook or uh, any of the other streaming platforms. And of course, those who joined us live in the Zoom webinar. So don't forget, uh, if you subscribe to us in email, you'll get an invitation each month where you can join us uh, in the webinar uh, yourself. Or of course, always feel free to watch it on Facebook, but it's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. And uh, we're so excited. We wanna hear your questions. So be, uh, please send those through Facebook or in the webinar, send your questions in. We'll get to those as we get through the topic and we're excited to be here. So uh, with me as always is Mike, my co-host. And uh, Mike, good to have you here. Welcome uh, to the program. Thank you, David. It's great to be here, to be with you again in this wonderful program and greetings to all of our listeners and viewers. Absolutely. Well, today we've got a really awesome topic, trauma counseling. We're going to be talking about healing and how that happens uh, through the ministry and the partner ministries. And we've got some great uh, guests with us to talk about that. But Mike, why don't you set this up? Tell, me, tell us a little bit about the need, what is trauma counseling? Why is it necessary and important uh, today? Um, absolutely, David. So the topic for today is finding hope in healing. Um, if you guys remember back in August, just a few months ago, when Afghanistan fell to Taliban, uh, there was a huge uh, outcry internationally for, for Afghans that were in fear for their lives under the new regime. Uh, that happened to be the time where um, Hearts for Iran and Mahabad TV, its media arm, we started getting flooded by calls from Afghan, belie Afghan believers and people in Afghanistan that were hopeless. And I could tell you that all 100% of people that were calling us were highly traumatized. Uh, but that trauma, uh, talking about trauma, it doesn't start from there. For us, uh, we have been dealing with the country of Iran. So we have been very well versed in seeing um, uh, and unfortunately being exposed to the level of trauma that the people of the region, uh, in particular people of Iran, have been dealing with. Last 40 years in Iran has not been easy. There has been persecution. There, there has been raids on the houses of new believers, new converts to Christianity. They're either arrested, put in jail, persecuted. Iran is the eighth most persecuted country in the world, according to world, uh, according to um, uh, Open Doors International. So uh, we are dealing with a region, both Iran and Afghanistan, which is within the footprint of Hearts for Iran Ministries. And we're dealing with people who are highly traumatized. So what do we do? What can you do? What can the ministries that are outside in diaspora do to help bring healing, um, uh, divine healing to the people that is, all, in our opinion, is done only through an encounter with Jesus? Uh, so um, I'm, I'm overjoyed to uh, introduce to you guys two, the, two of the experts in the field of ministry to Iranians and Afghans that have been involved in this ministry, in particular trauma counseling for years. Um, allow me to introduce our wonderful guest to you. I want to start by introducing to you uh, our, our sister Nahid Sepehri. Our sister Nahid Sepehri is the executive director of Iranian Bible Society in Diaspora. She was born in Tehran. Um, her father was actually one of the individuals uh, that started the Iranian Bible Society in, in, in Tehran, in Iran. That Bible Society in Iran, the Iranian Bible Society, after the revolution, um, the government confiscated the, the property and closed it in 1990. But then um, some 20 years after, our sister Nazanin with her family, they basically uh, migrated to, to America. And um, they have been involved in, the, in the getting a translation, a particular translation of Farsi, uh, of Bible into Farsi done that's called Today's Persian Version. It's one of the very, very popular 
uh, Bible translations that is in the hands of Iranians both in diaspora and inside the country of Iran. Uh, and um, she has translated and published uh, the most uh, complete version of Farsi Children's Bible as well, March of 2015, with the establishment of Iranian Bible Society in Diaspora. Um, she was uh, 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 called to be the executive director uh, of this newly established Bible Society, which is doing an amazing work. So it truly is a pleasure and honor to have our sister Nahid Seperi with us. And then we also are joined by our sister Nazanin Balistani, who's uh, who has had a legacy. She's she's a pastor. She has been uh, serving with Hearts for Iran and Mahabat TV in the capacity of the manager of program response and follow up for many years. She's got a very big team. They handle uh, incoming calls uh, and emails 24/7 uh, live from inside Iran uh, through a media channel called Mahabat TV, which happens to be the media arm of our ministry, Hearts for Iran. Um, Nazanin and her team are experts in handling um, and interacting with people who are either interested or are new believers or are established believers, anybody who's dealing in crisis. Both ministries have their own uh, involvement in trauma counseling. So today we have an awesome uh, treat for you guys to be able to come together and dive into the world of what is being done to bring uh, the traumatized people of Iran and Afghanistan to encounter Jesus and we're gonna hear some amazing stories this program is live we would like to ask you to please go ahead and send us any questions that you may have we'll definitely get a chance to um, ask the questions David if you don't mind I'm gonna start with the first question would that be all right absolutely all right so this question is for either one of you guys what are the demographics of the people that are coming for help women children men families I want to start with our sister Nahid and then ask our sister Nazanin to share with us. By the way, people, we are overjoyed to see two leaders from Middle East, from Iran, that are women, that are uh, movers and shakers. And just want to say more power to Iranian women. Good to have you guys. Again, the question is, what are the demographics of people that are coming to you guys for help? Thank you very much. I want to say hi to everyone who they are in Zoom or Facebook or Instagram or any platform you are watching this uh, program. I want to greet you and uh, thank, uh, thank you for uh, watching this. Uh, to answer your question, Brother Mike, is mostly women are coming to us. Uh, men are coming too, but mostly it is women. They are asking for help and asking for advice or uh, reaching to be healed. It's a woman, and I think it's because of our culture. In our culture, men, they are not talking about their problems, and they are not crying, they are not talking too much, but ladies, uh, they are easy to say what is in their heart and how they need help. So they are coming more. Beautiful. So women uh, definitely are more vocal because in our culture, culture of honor and shame in the Middle East, it's shameful for men to admit that they have problems. And that is very, that's very true. I mean, I've seen that in the, in the Middle East culture, in particular Persian culture. Uh, Sister Nazani, what is your take? How, tell us about your ministry. What is the demographic of people that are reaching out to you? I completely agree with Nahitan. Yes, uh, uh, mostly women call us and uh, they just pour their heart out. And we are here to listen to them. And um, well, ch uh, children, I would say, are more traumatized, but uh, well, they cannot call or email. So it's their moms who call and share. And sometimes we have to talk to these young girls and, you know, uh, just maybe hours and days we have to speak with them and try uh, to help them out because moms cannot help their children. So that's where we come in. So I would say women and children mostly. Wow, that's great. And uh, let me just echo uh, what Mike said. I'm really super happy to have uh, Nahid and Nazanin, you guys with us. Uh, we do support women leaders and very encouraged by your both of your ministry. Um, my question, I want to ask you guys a question about what trauma counseling looks like. So in a, you know the West, we have this idea, you go to a counselor's office, 
you see a professional and you, you know, work through these processes. Is it, is that what we're doing? It, I want you guys to maybe unpack that a little bit. What does trauma counseling look like in this context when we're trying to serve the Middle East? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> so, um, um, with us, uh, since uh, we cannot uh, get them on Zoom or be one-on-one -on -one with them, it's mostly a phone call. So, yes, um, our count, first of all, we listen to them when they call and when they share. Uh, it's very critical for them to trust us. That's the first step. We get the trust. Once they trust, they can open their hearts. And then they just tell us step by step. We encourage them just to uh, pour out the heart. You know, they um, experiences the trauma that they have been through. We listen. So once we listen, we get to know them, then layer by layer, we work and we uh, allow them to heal themselves, to come uh, in knowledge with their own trauma, to understand what they have gone through, what they have become, and what they are uh, wanting to be in the future once they're healed. That's very key for them to have a vision of their real self that they can become. So it's a long run. Sometimes it's hours. Sometimes we have, we had one lady that we worked with for seven years, oh. for seven years. And we, we saw how Jesus changed her. You know, we saw how what she was and what she became. It's all Jesus and how the Holy Spirit worked with her. So it takes a long process for us to counsel, for us to pray with them, share the word, teach them, and help them help themselves and change. Yes, as uh, my dear sister said, uh, the healing is not just one conversation or one hour or half an hour uh, consul uh, consultation and everything goes away. No, it's the process. Sometimes it gets weeks, months, or maybe years. We have to talk with the person. Through our live uh, prayer, daily prayer, we have every day. So people trusting us, they are talking about their problems and uh, we are introducing them to our counselor and they are saying uh, which layer of counselor they wanted some people wants to talk with the pastor uh, and some people say I want a women talk to me or it's the man they are preferred to talk to the men uh, so we are introducing to the uh, counselor and day by day they are going walking with that person. They are praying with that person, which if you go uh, to the doctor's office, they are not praying with you, but we are praying with them. We are crying with them. And then day after day after, they are receiving healing. Um, so the question that I had, you just answered it, which was, which was, is it a one-time deal or is it, a, is it a process? And you both said that it is a process. Um, taking people through a process by proxy, they're not here with you, they're someplace else. They have a host of issues, host of problems. How do you discern what their problems are? How effective do you think you really are? Are you guys having an impact? Do you think you really have an impact? I mean, we do want to ask you guys for some questions down the road, but uh, I just, because what Chris said is, in America, we used to go into the visit face to face and we go for, you know, several sessions a year, a couple of years. And then we go through a process of healing, but then we changed our environment. In Iran, their environment cannot be changed. <laughs> it's a constant. Something else has to be changed. So can you just dive in a little bit more? What are the things that people experience in, in the sense of, is it, do they feel fulfilled when they call you, when they talk to you, or is there still something lacking that you wish you could give them? At the beginning, it's hard 
Sometimes even they are texting. They don't want us to hear their voice. After a few times texting, they are realizing, okay, I want to call. They are trusting to give their phone number for us to call them. If we have someone close to the area they are, we can send someone in person to talk to them. But mostly because of the destination, it's too far. We cannot do that. And I'm sorry, yeah. aren't you afraid that it could be agents of the government if you send somebody face to face? If they are outside the country, it's a little bit less to be an agent. Right. So we are free to do that. But inside the country, no, we cannot do that. So uh, we are just going with the phone and text. We can call and talk to each other. Yeah, it's the problem. Sometimes we don't know really this is a real case or it's a fake case. But we have to think it's the real case and act upon that. Nazarene, what is your experience? Uh do, do your people that you talk to, do they feel fulfilled or you wish there was something else? Um, well, in fact, I think uh, we are their number one choice because they don't want to be seen face to face. They don't they want to speak to a stranger who will not judge them, who will not ruin their reputation in the family, in the culture. So it's easy for them to talk with a stranger on the phone who they haven't seen, who we will not see. So they feel comfortable talking with us. And they they open up, well, it takes time, but they will mostly, like I would say 95% opens, uh, open up to us and just tell all their secrets. And, and, and that's very um, important for them to uh, g- uh, talk about themselves, talk about the deep secrets. That's the first step of healing because they acknowledge what they have gone through. And um, I would say um, they're comfortable talking with us and it really helps them. Wow, that's really powerful. Nazanin, I know that you guys are talking to um, a lot of people coming from Muslim background and then, you know, working in the in the call center environment and doing all the work you do. You guys get uh, a lot of calls from Muslims themselves that are curious about Christianity when it comes down to actually doing trauma counseling. Um, is this kind of a gateway for evangelism or is it mostly Christians that are seeking you out? People that have already maybe uh, made that conversion step um, or the Muslim background. What, what do you guys see in, in regards to that? Oh, well, um, accepting Christ, it's a major uh, uh, healing part Um Without the Holy Spirit, how can they be healed, you know? And we've had a woman that at first, they would not want to become Christian. They um, just want help. They want counseling, which we are most willing to give. And of course, every time we counsel them, we say, you know what? We are Christian. And our counseling is based on the word of God, based on Bible, based on uh, the Holy Spirit healing and Jesus, the son of God. So through all this, they hear the gospel and they cannot resist. And like I haven't known anyone who will not give their heart to Jesus. Eventually they open up because they feel the joy you know, we've had a woman uh, who've been raped, and once they encounter Jesus, they're completely healed, you know, and it's not easy. It's not, I, I don't see how Islam can help them. Uh, if they could, you know, they would be helped. So, yes, uh, it's an evangelistic opportunity for us. We help them learn the gospel. We send them the Bible. They read and they are absolutely healed. Jesus does not reject anyone. Wow. Nahid, are you saying the same thing? Uh, 
uh, as we know, the people from Iran and Afghanistan or who, who they don't have Jesus Christ in their light, in their heart, uh, they are living in darkness. And there is no healing, there is no peace in darkness. Through mm -hmm. our daily life uh, prayer we have, many, many people, they are coming and they are saying, I'm a Muslim, but this room is very peaceful. Can I uh, be here and enjoy it? And our answer is absolutely. And they are starting uh, questioning about how you are a happy worshiper or uh, who is Jesus. They are starting questioning and then become a Christian. And uh, by this way, they are trusting us to talk about their problems. Because one time I asked uh, who you are going when you have a problem, who you are talking with. They said nobody, because when we, we are talking with the people, they are abusing us. They are using our secret against us. And mm -hmm. one of the viewers wrote, Bible Society Counselor, they are very trusty. I trust them and they helped me with my problem. So when they are coming day by day, they are making trust and we can talk to them. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amen. In America, doesn't matter, Muslim or non-Muslim. Amen. So in America, when somebody goes to to a therapist or they get to a counselor, rather, um, the counselor has to have some credentials. It's not just an average person that doesn't have any training. Can you explain to our audience if the team, your team members, uh, if they have any training, and if so, what is the training that they have? Are they qualified, even, or are they just people that are just they just like to be involved in ministry. Can you uh, open that up for us, please? Either one of you guys. Well, Nahijan helps us a lot, so I'll let her speak to that. Uh, yes, uh, we are training people. The first step is they have to be Christian. They have to have Jesus in their hearts. The second, they have to have this call even maybe if we are Christian, if we don't have this call to be a listener to people, we cannot do a good job. So they have to be a Christian, they have to have this call, and then they have to be trained. Uh, one of the book we are training, it's this book. He links the wound of trauma, and it's been translated in Farsi, for those they are talking Farsi. So we are training them how to be a good listener. Just looking at people, you are not good listener. How you have to be a good listener, how you have to act. And after that, how people, when they are traumatized, how they are acting. May sometimes we are get, getting tired, uh, listen one story two times. But a traumatized person, maybe they repeat and repeat 10, 20 times. Is that right, Nazanin John? Mm -hmm. They are going through that, and a listener has to be trained how to deal with that. And other problems, somebody, it's a death in the family, how they have to act like that, or uh, addiction in the family, how they have to act uh, for that problem. So it's the ongoing training. Nazanin? Yes, uh, and I thank Nahit here because she trained our team a number of times. We've been to seminars, uh, trauma seminars together. And it's very important for us, you know, not to be only experienced because we get a lot of experience talking with all these people daily. We 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 make mistakes. We learn from them like every individual is different. So if one uh, counseling works for this one, it will not necessarily work for the other. So these trainings really help give us tools, give us means how to counsel, how to help them. So we, my team has gone through different uh, trauma counseling seminars and Dr. Ashkan 
has had a training couple, couple of training sessions with us. So um, yes, we have been knowledgeable in this field too. So your team, both your teams are highly trained. They're not just average people that come out there. They're highly trained. Um, Sister and I, that book that you have, that you just showed us, uh, who's the author of that book? Uh, the author is uh, Harriet Hill, right. uh, Margaret Hill, Richard Baggy, and Pat uh, Mirsuma. So to our audience, I just want to share with you guys, um, a few years back, uh, Harriet, who uh, is a part of American Bible Society, I believe she, uh, she came up with this, uh, with this book uh, with her team on, on trauma counseling. And we had the honor of inviting uh, uh, Pastor Nahid, uh, uh, Pastor Mansur Khajapur, who's Sister Nahid's uh, husband, uh, to be a co-host on the production that we done Mahabat TV. Now, we produced a TV show based on that book. Can you show the book one more time? We produced a TV show based on that book. This is about four years, three, four years ago. We broadcasted it on Mahabat TV and folks, people just devoured it. I mean, people just kept on calling. And that was the affirmation that, you know, when you identify a crisis that is real and palpable in, a, in the host country, in our case was Iran, and you per, uh, create targeted programming that is, that is good content, good quality, people are going to respond to it. And um, Nazanin, can I, can, you, can I ask a quick question? How many, how many contacts do you do you guys process? Daily, um, well, I would say three, uh, a thousand a month okay. of calls and talking to people. I'm assuming it's um, almost the same night jump for you guys as well. It's 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 in that caliber. It's it's not just one or two or five or a dozen people that are willing to be vulnerable and call are in thousands. And guys, that's that's a huge improvement coming from the culture of honor. And it's only calls, uh, yeah. emails and chat. It's a whole other <laughs> number. Holy Spirit yeah. thing that people from a culture that is a, it's a taboo, it's a shame. They don't talk about it. They pick up the phone, they become vulnerable, and they share. And that is an open, as, as David said, that's an open for you guys to also tell them about Jesus. That's really powerful. David, back to you. Awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about the types of trauma that people are experiencing. We actually have a question from our audience. People are asking, what are the most common types of trauma that the counselors are encountering? And they're asking specifically about Afghanistan. So let's talk a little bit about what you guys are seeing in Iran but then also with this new uh, event that's happening, what's going on in Afghanistan? What are the major traumas that you guys are seeing? I'm going to start with Iran. Oh, go ahead, sisters. <laughs> um, well, I would say with women mostly calling us from Iran, it's uh, rape, number one, like out of 10 women calling uh, seven are raped, seven are sexually abused in, in different shapes and form. So um, that's that's number one. Uh, from Afghanistan, uh, I would say the trauma is um, just fear. They're just afraid. They're just, fear has tormented. Some, some cannot sleep at night even men men uh call us they're so frightened that um they don't have peace they don't know how to protect their wife and children um they just fearful so for the afghans that's that fear is number one what's going to happen who's going to knock their door next are they going to raid them are they going to take their kids away um there's there is just fear and after rape the more i think the most uh, issue the people they are coming to us it's the family issue men or women they are not uh, good to each other, I think, maybe because of the COVID. Uh, they are all in home and they are fighting too much. <laughs> we have to pray COVID goes away and so they can go to work and don't fight. But the divorce is getting, uh, it's going high uh, every day. And people, when they are coming to us, they are asking, 
especially ladies, we don't want a divorce or my husband wants to divorce me. I have this problem. Is that okay if I divorce uh, from my husband, which we are trying to say, no, divorce is not a good and trying to bring a counseling for both of them. We are trying if the, another party is ready to uh, to talk with both of them and bring the counseling between both of them. So the family issue is uh, high, too. Hmm. I wanted to uh, go, go back ahead, to Mike. your answer. Um, uh, both of you guys mentioned that uh, rape is one of the leading um, issues that uh, your callers or uh, people that contact you for trauma counseling are, talk, uh, are reaching out to. Can you describe to our audience what in Iranian society creates a situation where 70% of the people who are calling you women are being sexually abused and raped? What are the contributing factors? That's a huge rate. Can you, can you explain and dissect for our audience what is causing that in Iranian society? Well, I would say the men are in authority. The men have power. They they have a voice in the government, like in the court. All the favor is for the men. The men can have number of wives, you know. And we've it's it's been sad for me to speak about this. But we've had young girls raped by their own father, by their own. Mm -hmm. A brother, family member, uncle, it is heartbreaking. And um, it, it's all, um, I would say uh, Muslim men, um, that's how they treat the woman as an object. And they don't care about their trauma. They don't care about their lives. They um, just want to just... Um, I don't know. It's so sad. It's I don't know. Even if a Muslim man, how can they think like that? You know, even if they don't know God, uh, uh, this is so heartbreaking. So um, um, that's the main factor. And these women call us and they they say, what do I do? I cannot divorce. I cannot leave this house because that's my source of income. If I go, where do I go? Um, uh, you know, my re reputation is going to be ruined. Nobody is going to marry me again. And I will end up on the streets. And uh, we've had men who actually sold their uh, wives to other men for money. And, um, yeah, it's it's a big problem in our um uh, in our country and oh, we are limited uh, we uh, we are on the phone with them so what we do is um, uh, in severe cases we try to connect them to a home church to a home leader uh, that we know inside the country and uh, get them connected to get actual help um yeah it's bad no what about what about you what do you think are the contributing factors nothing that was fantastic thank you for sharing but uh sister Nahi, what do you think are the contributing factors in iranian society that is leading to such a huge rate of rape and sexual abuse of its women uh, I'm totally agree with whatever my sister Nazanin said, and maybe another thing is in Iran, uh, they are thinking, the community think, if it's the rape happened, is the shame is for the woman, not for the man. So they are not feeling it bad, or they are not feeling, they are doing sin if they are raping someone. Wow. So it's a shame for the other one, so I, I have to be worried. I need and I have to uh, complete, fulfill my needs. So they are thinking just for themselves, their need. And um, they are not uh, thinking, yeah, I'm going to be sinful if I have a sexual relationship with others out of the marriage. They are not thinking like that. Wow, that's a... That was a good question, Mike. I was actually going to ask the same thing. And, and it's you guys do have Nahid and Nazneen. First of all, 
that's super heavy, what you guys just shared. And I just want to say, you know, we support and encourage you and we want to pray for you that you guys are dealing with this and our, the entire trauma team, you guys are dealing with this on a daily basis. Um, that's, it's hard. And, uh, how, how are you guys staying healthy, uh, through this and how do you, who's supporting you, uh, in this process would be my question. Well, we pray for each other. That's important. We get together once a week, my whole team, we pray for one another because we get traumatized listening to these traumas. It's really sad. And, uh, uh, we we um, sometimes we get um, uh, counsel from outside. Some sometimes we have to sit with a pastor, with another Christian, with a leader, and just you know open up and share. You know we have to debrief and relieve ourselves. But um, I would say that um, uh, you know sometimes uh, these things. Um, when we see healing, it really encourages us. It really helps us. And uh, we get healed during this healing process too. So we've had so many, uh, 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 once we allow these women to see themselves as a child of God, to see themselves as more than a rape victim. They're no more a victim. They're a child of God. They're precious. You know, they matter to us. You know, when they see we care, when they see our love, how we care for them, how we follow up, how we pray for them. You know, um, when they see that, they, you know, they cry. They say, um, uh, you guys care so much for me more than I care for myself. So it's encouraging when we see the healing process. It, it heals us too. It just edifies us. It blesses us. And it's always rewarding. Um, as I mentioned before, when we have this call, God gave us strength to be a shoulder for their cry. It's not easy to see someone is crying on your shoulder and uh, even uh, much harder when they are from distance, you cannot hug them. You cannot give them a cup of water to drink. It makes us more harder. Uh, But when we are uh, going step by step with them, it helps us to see how they are growing and how they are receiving healing. And one of the chapter of this book I showed, it's the care for caregivers. How we can care for each other. How I can give cares for my sister Nazanin to hear uh, her traumas from listening to traumas and Nazanin, how Nazanin can help me. So. Uh, our counselor, we are helping each other to be a good listener for each wow. other. Can either one of you guys share a story of uh, of the healing, um, hope and healing? Uh, in one of our seminars, it was a second day, uh, and I understand one of our sisters uh, from the face with the experience, we can understand there is something going wrong. Uh, I went and stood by her and said, how are you? Uh, tell me about your family. And she started all together. And she said, I cannot forgive my mother. Why? And she told the story. I'm going to make it very short. She said, I hate my mom. And I don't like her because she didn't loved me from my teenagerhood because I want to marry with a man and uh, my family didn't accept that. But finally we married and then we divorced because he was not a good man. I said, okay, your mom was right. Uh, Then uh, after divorce, parents didn't support her and she had a very, very bad uh, and hard life. So I start talking to uh, her and said, you have to put your uh, 
put your mom's shoes on and to see how she was feeling on that time. Uh, and God is asking us to forgive and said, my mom didn't ask me for to forgive her. I said, we didn't ask Jesus for forgiveness when he went to the cross for us. So on, on that night, it was a cross night. People bring their uh, pain to the cross. She was crying very heavenly on the cross that night. And the next morning, her face was shining. And she mm. said, last night, I was able to forgive my mom without, without her asking. And right Aww. now, I can't breathe. Oh, it was hard in my, something's heavy in my heart. But right now it is gone and I can breathe very well. So it was joyful for me to see she's uh, free on that. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you for sharing. Amen. There's a there's power beautiful. of forgiveness. I mean, that, that message is for all of us and all of our listeners and our viewers mm -hmm. that... Uh, mm -hmm. Forgive, even if the, the person who has done you wrong uh, has not asked for forgiveness, you forgive them. Thank you. Uh, Nazanin, would you be able to share one of the uh, stories that stands out for you? Uh, well, this is a recent one, and uh, I just, um, um, in fact, this morning uh, we were praying for her. Her real name is Hadith. She's a young girl. Uh, whose family, both mom and father, are, were drug addicts. And she had a very hard upbringing. Nobody cared for her. She just grew on her own. Her mom was always high. Her dad left them. Um, and um, she was only with her mom. Uh, In fact, uh, I think last month or two months ago, her mom passed away. Uh, she overdosed and she she's left alone and her mom actually called us first. She gave a heart to Christ and then um, Hadith called us and she just cried. She every time she couldn't talk, she, we would call her and she would just cry on the phone. She cried so much, but even her um, eye was infected with all the crying she did and she just didn't know how she lived, you know. Uh, she said, I was always alone. I was with different men. Uh, finally, she was forced to marry, and then her husband divorced her after a year. And uh, we continued to talk with her uh, until uh, recently. She was touched with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And she, she gradually, she became happier and happier and happier. And the sweetest thing she was healed of, she said, every year on my birthday, I commit suicide. This is the first year. This is my first birthday that I'm just happy. Wow. And I'm not thinking about suicide. I'm not thinking about death. I I'm just happy. Wow. Uh, that 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 was so rewarding. That just brought joy in our hearts. But she she is still calling us. She's going through a process, and she, in fact, she's friends with her husband now. Almost, although they are divorced, but they go out, they talk to each other, and we are praying for their reconciliation. Wow. Praise God. You guys are making a huge difference. And I think it's hard for us to imagine uh, these cases of trauma. But so telling us these stories really helps to kind of see what's happening and, and how it's going. Um, we do have another question from the audience. <clears throat> People are asking about specifically more about Afghan refugees. And, you know, they're starting to resettle and go into different countries and especially specifically those coming to the United States. Uh, how would you suggest, you know, the average church goer here in the United States or in Europe that's seeing these refugees start to come to their uh, uh, country, 
how would they get engaged with this? Do they expect they're going to see trauma um, and those that are arriving? And, um, you know, what can they do? How could a church maybe support this effort or get involved? I think Nazanin and I and maybe Brother Mike, we can understand them very well because we arrived as a refugee in U.S. So we walked this path. How was, if we remember those first days, first years, how hard was that when we are walking in the street, we were afraid maybe we lost our home because we don't know where is it. We have to look at the signs. Uh, everything was hard. The culture, shock of the culture was hard for us. And finding job, finding home, uh, keep the family together, it was very hard. So we passed, we went through this path. And I think it is our duty to help them, to make easier for that. Uh, when we came as a refugee to U.S., it was very, very hard for us. We didn't have any Iranian around us to help us. So we decided to help all the refugees that are coming to U.S. as much as we can. I don't know. These days I cannot say the number. I lost the number. How many family, Iranian families and two Afghans family, we helped them as they arrived to the U.S. go through this path. And it is our duty to help them. Amen. Nazanin, any any advice to a Westerner that wants to get involved in this? Uh, I would say um, to our American friends to just love on them. Just, just to love on them, care for them, help them, because they are traumatized. They have come here and they're going to experience a culture shock. This country is so much different than Afghanistan. So um, there's going to be a culture shock. They, they, uh, it's it's going to take a while for them to um, adjust to this country, to the rules, you know, to all the different needs that they have. So just be patient with them. Just love them. And um don't try to help them if they don't want to, you know, <laughs> because uh, they are private people. Um, uh, they don't want to share a lot because they have learned not to trust anyone. So with that mentality, they're coming to a country um, and it, it's hard for them at first to socialize and trust anyone. So be patient, but just care for them and love them. That's all I can say. <laughs> Mike, you and I, no, thanks, Nazanin. You and I uh, actually did a training on reaching uh, the Muslim next door uh, for a local church, churches in the United States that want to get involved with this. We didn't necessarily talk about trauma, but any thoughts on that uh, program we did and we're still offering? Yeah, I just wanted to bring that opportunity. Thank you so much of what our, our our colleagues are talking about is that you are in America, you have been getting an influx of refugees for, for, for many, many years coming here from all different walks of life. Uh, focusing on the Muslims from Iran and Afghanistan, there are quite a few of them uh, in America. And the question is, how can your church, how can you um, go about God's work dealing with uh, you know, neighbors next door that have come from these troubled regions? Um, yes, we did put together, and this is a resource for your church. Please, if you're interested, contact us because we'd be happy to share it with you. We put together a resource called Reaching the Muslim Next Door, and we went through understanding, uh, the first step of understanding their culture, the, the indigenous culture that they have, and when they come here, the culture clash, and what to expect, and how to go about building a bridge with the, with the people who are living in our neighborhood, in our society, and they have a difficult time understanding the culture, um, and then be able to use that relationship to bring the gospel to them. Um, if you're interested, if your church is interested in, in learning more about this, contact us. Uh, we have our contact information. We would love to share that with you guys. I do want to go ahead and um, uh, quickly ask a question that was asked over here. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of Afghans migrate within the last 20 or some, 20 some years, 30 years 
from Afghanistan, but also within the last 40 some years from Iran. Um, Iran happens to also uh, host a lot of Afghan refugees. Some, some numbers say as many as 3 million Afghans are refugees in Iran right now. So, um, but in Taliban itself, uh, in, in Afghanistan, the Taliban themselves are really the ones that uh, could either cause trauma or they could be an answer to the, or part of the solution. The question that has come, I wanted to ask you is, do you think the Taliban would allow outside world to help them? Now, this, this question may not be relevant to the, the topic of uh, counseling, but it is relevant to the whole idea of hope through healing. That's a question that has been asked. Again, let me ask, will you think, do you think the Taliban would allow the outside world to help them? What conditions do you think Afghanistan callers are describing to hearts for Iran and to your organization, Sister Nahid, that may validate or negate this question? Uh, I don't know if the Taliban wants to receive help because uh, which kind of help they maybe want. I don't think so. They want to uh, let us, uh, as a Christian, help their people because they are very fanatic Muslim and they they are not seeking our help, our method of help. Maybe they're seeking help, but not the help we can offer. Uh, so I don't think so. They they are seeking our help, and but if the people of Afghanistan or Iran, they are seeking for help, uh, or uh, Hearts for Iran, Mohabbat TV, ours and other ministries, which they are, uh, their hand is open. Uh, they are willing to give any kind of help we can. Really, we are willing to yeah i don't think so that the taliban would want any of our help um and uh, what conditions are the callers describing the conditions of fear i would say um they're fearful and uh we have people who um are okay like we've had recently uh, many come on chat and just argue with us. And I would say maybe there are Taliban people that they want to argue and, you know, say, how dare you <laughs> witnessing to the Afghan people? What do you want with us? So we have two mixed messages, some who want to come out of Afghanistan and be free and some who just are Taliban's and want to stay put and, and kick us out. So we do know that uh, because our time is limited. I uh, uh, just wanted to mention that we do we did hear from you guys that women in Iran out of uh, uh, ten calls, seven calls are about women being raped. But we do want to touch on the fact that the women uh, in Afghanistan are even under more pressure and 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 persecution uh, under the the Islamic Taliban uh, that is there. So that is another pray, a prayer point that we want to ask you to please do pray. Uh, for also women in Afghanistan, because I think the pressure they're facing under the Islamic Taliban is, is extremely severe. David, back to you. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, we're, we're running out of time. This has been a great uh, topic. And you guys, I just want to thank you so much, both of you, for coming and sharing your stories and testimonies. And, and then more than that, just for the work you're doing day after day. I mean, we just heard and felt in this call about how, you know, this is impacting you and your own life by, you know, giving yourself for these people. So I just want to say thank you for that. But uh, right now, how do how should people be praying for you? Uh, Nahid, uh, how do they get in touch with you? We want to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more of how people can reach out if they're curious and they want to find out more about your ministry and uh, what, what you guys are doing or how they might be able to get involved. Thank you very much for this opportunity. As our brother Mike said uh, when he was introducing me, uh, I am with Iranian Bible Society in Diaspora, and our first duty is to give the Bible in the hand of the people who they need it, which these days uh, this need is growing. So uh, I'm asking your prayer to God help us to give this Bible to this light uh, to every person needed 
inside the country and outside the country, which maybe this light uh, lighten their path in their life. And I want to invite all the audience here, if you have a time, every day from 8 a.m. to 9, 8 p.m., sorry, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., Iran's time, we have a live prayer time. If you need someone to pray with you, it's a good time uh, to join our Instagram, uh, which is Anjomani Ketab Maqaddasa Iran. Even if you type it Farsi, it will be there. You can find it. Uh, we are willing and we are more than happy to pray with you. Amen. Nazanin, how do people get in touch with you? Well, best is my email, nazanin at mahabat.tv. Um, I get your email, your questions, and I would ask for your prayers. Pray for wisdom. You know, we encounter all kinds of problems, and sometimes we don't have answers. So that's where Jesus comes in. The Holy Spirit comes in, anoints us, gives us wisdom to talk with them and direct them to the to the truth that sets them free. So please pray for wisdom. Amen. Amen. If you are watching this program and you are ministering to anybody, anybody, especially people that are in traumatized, uh, persecuted countries, and you do not have a, a, a trauma counseling team, you need to help one. And if you have any questions about how to put a team together, how to train them, please do reach to our, our guests, Nahid and Nazanin, they'll be more than happy to help you. That's been the culture of generosity with these two uh, wonderful yeah. friends of ours. David, uh, it is my understanding that with Thanksgiving coming up, our next session is going to be not on a Friday. Can you please tell our audience uh, when to join us and what the occasion is going to be about? Absolutely. So guys, you know, we've been doing these webinars on Fridays. Uh, the next one coming up, we're gonna do on Giving Tuesday. So as you all know, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving is considered Giving Tuesday. We're going to be doing a special program on that day. Uh, Mike and I will be there along with our guests uh, November 30th on a Tuesday. So we really want to encourage you to invite people and attend that yourself. Uh, it's going to be an interesting topic. We're going to be talking more about Bibles. That's one of the important ministries that we do. Um, at Heart for Iran. We're going to be talking more about that. And so please come on uh, Giving Tuesday and be getting ready for that Giving Tuesday to uh, support and be a part of what is happening in Iran through the spread of the word of God. So yes, thanks, Mike. We definitely uh, want to encourage everyone to be there. And then for today, I just want to share, you know, last time we were on, we talked about this special um, giving initiative for Afghanistan. And we, we briefly talked about Afghanistan today and the trauma needs. We have a whole budget line item in our strategic response for Afghanistan, specifically for trauma counseling. And so we've got a giving link on our website, heartforiran.com, uh, where you can go and find out a little bit more about what we are putting together to help support people during this crisis time of Afghanistan. And we want to encourage you to give. Um, we've actually had a tremendous response to that. We're about 70% of the way towards our goal of funding. And our goal was substantial. We, we have a goal of $480,000 uh, for an Afghanistan response. We're about 70% of the way already for that. And there's a matching grant information in there as well. So please take a look at that. We would love to hear from you about Afghanistan support and what's going on there and how these ladies and how our uh, trauma team is really growing. They're, they're growing and they're gearing up to do more ministry work because we've been overwhelmed uh, with response from Afghanistan. Mike, you want to comment on that? Uh, yes, I just wanted to say that God has opened up the doors for us to reach and send Bibles to the three million uh, some uh, Afghan refugees inside the country of Iran. That's an opportunity that we never had before when they were in Afghanistan. Would you please join us to help reach them and, and send them Bibles? Also, we are thinking about uh, hiring uh, at least three Afghan uh, uh, MBBs, Muslim background believers, to join our uh, trauma counseling team, so we could be able, we could handle the, the the traffic of people who are reaching out to us. Uh, it, it is a challenge for us. Uh, we want to share that challenge with you to help us support uh, the calling that God has put on heart, put on our hearts 
Uh, and uh, it, it definitely, I just want to say that being a trauma counselor is not a woman's job. It's, it's all of our jobs to be able to lend a hand. It just happens that we have two wonderful ladies that are leading us, leading our ministries. And what a joy it is to see from the culture of honor and shame that women are not given a voice uh, to a culture of Christ where women are leading us. So we, we say thank you, Sister Nahi, Sister Nazani, for your leadership. Uh, we bless you. We thank you for the legacy that you're leaving behind and the lives that you're touching. Um, we're going to cut this one short because we're leaving soon, but we want to bless you folks. Um, our next session will be right after Thanksgiving. We pray that if you are in America listening to this program, your Thanksgiving would be a wonderful season with your family and loved ones. Bring uh, somebody else into it. That's God's heart. Uh, at least go share the gospel with somebody, with a neighbor. We want to challenge you to also go to our website and see if there's an opportunity for you to stand next to us and give towards God, God's work. Um, I want to again uh, ask our sister Nazarene and Nahid, you only have about 30 seconds left, 20 seconds left. If you could just say one last word to people and just uh, we could go ahead and finish by that. I just want to thank you for this opportunity and thank you for your prayers and support. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm thankful to Hearts for Iran to invite me. I'm thankful to all of you uh, watch this program. Thank you. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being our guest. Fantastic discussion. Uh, to all the viewers out there, thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. Uh, God bless you and just be encouraged by what God is doing in the nation of Iran.